Welcome to Hope City Church. My name is Pastor Joe, and I am one of the associate pastors here at Hope City Church. And I just want to say that I am thankful that we are able to come together today, no matter what the challenges of life are, that we get to gather. Some of us here uh, in the building with the worship team and some of the staff, and then also wherever you are seeing this message, we are gathered together as a church. And I am so thankful that you are here with us today. Uh, one of my passions in life is for people to get connected. And that is part of my job here at Hope City Church, is getting people that are gathering with us connected, be it in a group or, or on a serve team. It, we just want to help build community. And that's my hope for you, that you would uh, allow Hope City Church to be a part of your daily rhythms and part of your weekly routine, gathering together and, and coming to know the people that call Hope City Church home. And so um, we are online and we are continuing our services today uh, talking through Living on Empty. We've been going through uh, this series for a, a couple of weeks now. And we have learned a couple of things uh, with Pastor Jason's teachings. And the thing that we are learning is, is that living on empty, it is when, how you refill your soul when life is overwhelming. And see, the first week, we learned that we underestimate the power of prayer, and we also overestimate our own abilities. In the second week, we talked about how stillness is a choice, prayer is a gift, and peace is a promise. And last week, Pastor Jason shared, I believe, a timely message and a powerful message about the struggles of mental illness, specifically dealing with depression. And he also shared with us is that Hope City Church has a plan for your life, has a plan for you as a part of the church. And that is for you to come to church, to follow Jesus, to build friendships, and to, and to make a difference. And that's exciting news. And today, what I want to do is I want to continue our series of messages about living on empty. And what we are going to talk about today is what I like to call a, a rule of life. Now, when I mention a rule, some people watching online with you may start to get a little crawl in their skin because there are two different types of people. There are rule followers and there are rule breakers. And you, you, you know what I mean because you can see the rule breakers just... A couple of days ago, look at all the cars in the driveways of your neighbor's house. If there were more than two or three cars, they were probably breaking the rules. As a dad, I see that uh, my kids, some of them are rule followers, and some of them are rule breakers. And I think we all have our own kind of reaction to when it comes to rules. And see, I want us to look at the word rules as like a freedom or a, or a framework. It's not a set of rules that restrict or, or deny your life, but they're a means of perspective or clarity regarding the ways in which God has called us to live. See, Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And that is what I hope becomes your rule of life, and that is following the ways of Jesus. See, we think of natural ways that we see boundaries or rules. What makes a, a river mighty and strong are its banks. If, if, the bank, if the river didn't have rules or boundaries, it would become a marsh. It would be flooded. But because it has strong guidelines, it allows it to become a mighty river. Another way that we look at this, not so much in a natural way, but in a man-made way, is think about sports. 
Why are sports exciting? Because they have rules. They have boundaries. They have set regulations. We know when someone's going to shoot from behind the line. Is it worth two points? Is it worth three points? We know that there's four quarters. So when, when, the, when the Lions are down by 41 in the third quarter, there's still hope. Slim. But we can root them on. And so I, that's one, one thing I look at. It, is we look at rules as, they, as that they are boundaries. And we all, we all have rules that we follow in life. We all have our own rules that you may or may not know. But I asked some of my friends, hey, what are, what are some of the rules that you have for your life? Some of the things they came up with. I don't eat after 9 p.m. Now, if anybody followed that rule this past weekend, you could have had a little flexibility. You didn't have to follow that rule. I don't eat in my car. That's a good rule to have when your car is new. You want to keep it nice. Uh, I don't leave dirty dishes in the sink overnight. I don't go to Costco or Walmart after 8 p.m. That is a great rule. Some people uh, don't buy gas until the light comes on. And other people buy gas at a half a tank. I think there's two different types of people when it comes to gas in their car. uh, Some people said that they don't go to bed angry. Some people said that every morning the first thing they do is pray and read their Bible. Uh, Other people said that they pray with their spouse every day. And if they miss a day, they don't miss two days. And so uh, other people, some some of the things they said is that they attend church more than half the Sundays in a year. And that they always spend holidays with their family. See, most of the that we have in our life, they're, they're unwritten rules. They're just things that are ingrained in us. It's just things that we do out of habit. And you know what? These things, they can end up uh, leaving us feeling empty. They can they control our lives, our, our schedules, and, and our priorities. And some of those things that I think that we do, and maybe you do, is, is things that maybe that can leave us empty. And those are checking our social media too much, trying to take control and hold on. Your debt-to-income ratio is so big that you never, you never get around to savings. Maybe when you have an argument, your rule is that you don't apologize first. But you know how that leaves you? It leaves you feeling, it leaves you feeling empty. Maybe you don't ask God for insight or direction until it's your, your last resort. When you've come to the end of your rope and you feel empty, you, that's when you turn to God. You know, there's activities and busyness of life always seem to trump what's most important in that to me, is a relationship with God. But we follow these unwritten rules so blindly that they leave, us un- they leave us empty. They leave us to the point where we fail to realize this, is that, and this is our big ideal for today, is that whatever made you empty, it, it can't fill you. More money, more social media, more control, more entertainment, more escape, it'll never be able to fill you back up. Chasing more will always leave you feeling less. And so what you need is a a rule of life, something that you can follow to fill you up. And I want to tell you this, and this is something we already know, and that is, is that how you live now determines who you will become later. I want to do something right now, and if you're, I I have the worship team with me here and the production team with me here in the room, and if you're watching online, uh, Maybe in your living room or at your kitchen table, uh, all cozied up. I want you to just take a moment and be still. If you're listening to this in the future and you're driving, don't do this because you need to keep your eyes on the road. But if you're, if you're in this moment, present moment, I want you to do this with me. I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to settle in and I want to walk you through a mental exercise. I, I want you to imagine yourself at, at, at 65 
And if you're older than 65 today, think of 80 or, or 90. More specifically, I want you to imagine the kind of person that you will become in what we would call our, the glory years of our life. Don't imagine your resume, your possessions you've collected, but I want you to imagine what people will say about you. What friends will still want to be around you? What will your kids, your family, your grandkids think about you? I'm guessing the future you that you are imagining right now in your mind with your eyes closed is not uptight, self-centered, reactionary, or mad all the time. I'm guessing that you will see yourself becoming someone who is compassionate, wise, happy, at peace. A person who over the, over the decades of their life has become more and more like Jesus through your personality and your giftings. And at the end of your life, becoming who you were truly meant to be. Keep your eyes closed just for, just for one more moment. Hang with me. Now imagine thinking to yourself to try to answer these questions. What got me here? What was my guiding light? What did I use to get me to the future me? What were my guidelines and what were my rules? Okay, you guys can, can open up your eyes now. And, you know, I took you through this mental exercise to tell you something that I believe we already know, that you already know, and that is you don't accidentally wake up one day and become the person that you want to be. You're not going to accidentally wake up and say, I've made it. This is exactly what my life planned out. My friends respect me. My family respects me. I have good finances. I found peace. I'm healthy. I love Jesus. I know who God is. And see, it's my hope that in your later years of your life that you will be able to look back and have a roadmap or a rule to your life that you would be able to share with others that ta- to teach them how you got to where you wanted to go. I want to read a story to you guys that kind of gives an illustration of what a rule of life can look like. And we have an author that I, I've been reading a little bit, and his name is Parker Palmer, and I'm going to read this to you all. He was an author and a teacher, and he tells a story going back to the 1700s when Midwestern farmers would lose countless loved ones on the way to just to their barn or on their way just to their outhouse during a winter storm. See, these blizzards would pop up. They would come quickly and without notice, and they were fierce. And, and when, these storms would pull, when, when these storms come, they would come with a full force that was blinding with snow and wind. And see, it was so bad that farmers, they, they couldn't see their hands at the end of their arms. They couldn't see right past their own, their own reach. And so many of them froze to death in these blizzards, disoriented by their inability to see. They wandered in circles. Uh, they got lost sometimes just a few feet from their back door in safety. After losing many family members to these storms, the early farmers learned to prepare. See, they prepared for the blizzards by tying a rope at their back door of their house to their barns and to their outhouses, and they use it as a guide, ensuring that they could safely find their way back home. They knew if they lost their grip on the rope that it would be impossible to find their way home. And so they would hold on tight as they would walk their way out to check on their animals, or they would walk their way out to a different area on their property. And sometimes when they would end, sometimes if they lost the way of the rope, like I said earlier, they, it would cost them their life. So they knew dearly to hold on to this rope. And this rope became known as, as the blizzard rope. And see, in the 1700s, they didn't have the weather channel. 
They didn't have Siri. They didn't have uh, the TV God channel on their TV to scroll through and watch when the weather came up. They didn't have the National Weather Service. They had to learn the rhythms of the seasons, and then they had to prepare. It was crucial for the blizzard rope to be tied before winter's arrival. See, the, the farmers back then, they learned that when chaos happens, there is no time, there is no time to plan. See, these farmers, they, they knew that. They knew the storms. They knew the consequences. They knew to get prepared by tying their rope before the blizzard conditions showed up. And see, that's what the ingenuity of farmers were. They just used what was around them. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't hard. It wasn't difficult. They went, I need to get from here to here. I got a rope. They took simply what was around them to solve the problem, to save, to save their life. What do you need to hang on to in 2020? What do you need to tie your rope to? Do you need to tie a rope to your marriage? Tie a rope to your family? Tie a rope to your kids, to your sanity, to your finances? What do you need to tie a rope to to ensure that you will make it back safely? So what is your rope? What are the rules that you're going to follow to keep you safe from the storms of life? See, here in a moment, we're going to read a story out of the Bible. We're going to hear, we're going to hear from Jesus, and we're going, to, we're going to read it together, and I believe that Jesus is going to tell us what a, a rule of life for us should be. See, Jesus provides us with good news. He provides us with, with hope that your life isn't one without instruction. It, it's not one without purpose. It's not one that you have to go blindly trying to make your way through this life of loan. And see, what I love about Jesus is, is that he explained a lot of his teachings in, in metaphors. And see, Jesus lived in a time of farmers. And so when you're talking to farmers, you talk seeds. You talk the ground. You talk weather. You talk, you talk soil. You, you use the terms of the times for these people because when he lived, most people were farmers. And so I would imagine that if Jesus was alive today walking this earth with us, he would explain his teachings in NTI, TikTok, soccer, Minecraft. He would use all these kinds of metaphors so that we could understand what he's trying to teach us, what our rule of life should be. I know for myself and, and maybe for you, you, you use metaphors all the time. Man, I'm so tired. It's like I don't have any gas left in the tank. You know, my day has been so overwhelming. I just wish I could hit control, alt, delete, and hard reset and start, start over. So we're going to look on the screen. They're going to put this up here, and you're going to read along with me. We're going to read uh, John uh, 15, and we're going to read 1 through 5. And this is Jesus talking about himself. It says, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do not pr produce fruit so that they will be even more fruitful. And you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For your branches cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me me. See, the world would tell you that God is hands-off. God is unavailable. God is distant. The world would tell you that God has left you on your own devices, that you've made your bed, and, and now you have to lie in it. You're, you're distant from God because of your choices. And we read here in John 15, simply, that's not true. That God is very hands-on. 
God is a hands-on God. If we look at this metaphor that he uses of a vine dresser going in and pruning and touching and grabbing, getting his hands in the soil and just all this work, it, 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 sounds, so, it sounds so dirty and, and, and so messy, but that's where God's at. That's where he meets you. He's in there tucking these things out and reattaching you to his ways. And, and, and that's what it looks like. Life looks a lot like a vine. If we leave it unaddressed, distractions, priorities, our own choices, it just leaves us overgrown without any sense of direction. Let me ask you this. How much more manageable do you think your life would be if it grew in a more linear fashion? If it had some sort of support system? What if your life had a a framework, a trellis or a rule to guide you? For you to lean on, to carry your weight, to help you produce and produce more fruit. But also provide boundaries that still leave you the opportunity for individuality and freedom. This is the function of guardrails or rules that help us move us forward on our journey with Jesus. See, rules, they work best when they challenge us. But see, rules can't be so easy that they don't ever stretch you. When your rules become too difficult, you'll become discouraged and and defeated. And that defeats the whole purpose of having a rule in the first place. If it's too hard to follow, you won't follow it. But you have to have them. See, Jesus used one rule over and over in John 15. And he says this. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. See, your rule of life should be being attached, remaining with Jesus. See, this means that you need to recognize or be more aware than just Jesus' example. It's allowing Jesus the access to shape you. Your very nature, your, your, your being, pruning and reattaching your ways to his ways. Transforming you and so you can experience a life with Jesus. And in the same way, the, the rule of life or, or following Jesus is a trellis that holds us up, that supports our growth. And it makes it possible for these three things. And that is for us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to be fruitful and live like Jesus. See, in John 15, 4, it said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. I think Jesus is telling us this, is that we need to be with Jesus. We need to have a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Not a momentary experience, but one that is continually walking this life out with him. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. I think that's where Jesus is asking us to become like Jesus, to live live our lives formed in his ways. If you look at a banana tree and it has an apple attached, it would look weird. I think Jesus wants us to be the branches that are attached to his vine. We want to look. The Bible says that we're known by our fruits, so we should look like the tree that is producing the fruit, right? And so 15.5, we're, we're moving along here, making some progress, learning about the ways of Jesus, our rule of life. In 15.5, it says this, remain, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Jesus wants us to be fruitful. And that is a life lived like Jesus, doing what Jesus did while he was here on earth. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and living like Jesus, that's our rope. That's our lifeline. That's our lifesaver. That's our, that's our hope for our relationships, for our kids, for our finances, for your home, for your future, for your health, for your life here on earth. 
is to, to be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to, and to walk with Jesus. It's essential that we form this rope, this connection with Jesus, before the storms of life come. Because when chaos happens, there's no time to plan. The time to get ready is now. The time to commit our lives. The times to hold on to Jesus as our rope and, and make this the rule of our life it, it is now. The purpose of a rule of life is to keep you faithfully moving forward towards Jesus, even, even when the blizzards of life have you struggling to see past your fingertips. See, we accept Jesus, and in a moment, we're forgiven of our sins. This happens immediately. But following Jesus happens every day over a lifetime of our days. But also, following Jesus is our devotion. And that is the time that we give to Jesus every day to allow him to shape and mold us. It's in these moments that we give ourselves to God to pray, to fast, to read our Bibles, to build relationships with people in the church, to be in a growth group. God forms you as your rule of life when you are in community. God forms you in your rule of life when you serve, when you do stuff outside of yourself. See, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I just want to stop for a second and, and just tell you how excited that I am that you're with us. And I don't want you to feel anxious or nervous or feel like I'm putting this heavy burden on you to, to change your life. I believe when you hear the teachings and the ways and the following of Jesus, it gives you hope. And it gives you a, a sense of excitement to learn more. And that a life with Jesus is something that can, you can have. And so remaining in Jesus is allowing Jesus to teach us and to shape us and form us into our own personal rule of life. A, a good rule of life will express your purpose. A, a good rule of life will lead you to where you're going, even when you're empty and overwhelmed. And so what do we do now? I think this is where I want to help us what I feel like could be the million-dollar question in the room. Maybe you at home are thinking, wow, Joe, that's awesome. What's the rule? You, you've given me examples of how Jesus forms me and shapes me and wants me to be with him, but what's the rule? Well, the rule is, and I think, and I think this, the rule is, and the question that we're asking ourselves is a couple of things, is how do we take these teachings, these ancient metaphors, and put them into practice in our life? How do we live like Jesus? How do we allow these rules to rule over ourselves? Well, the good news is, is that you and I are not the first people trying to figure this out. People have been following Jesus for 2,000 plus years. And I believe that this should give us hope that it is still possible, one, to follow Jesus. And that the teachings of Jesus can apply to today's, today's life. And so the rule of life for us is simply this, is, is to remain in him. And if we are to remain in Jesus, what is that to look like? How do we stay connected? How do we stay attached? How do we remain in Jesus? Well, we're going to use a verse in, in Matthew 11. It's been kind of like the key verse for living on empty. We've, been, we've went back to it several times over several teachings. And so I want to hear, and uh, we're going to read in, in Matthew 11. And that is, is answering the question of how to refill your soul when you're overwhelmed. And I believe that we can do this, and that and our God is, is to remain in Jesus. And so let's read in, in Matthew 11, and this is in 28 and 30. 
sad. Just come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, Jesus, he promises this this life of of abundance, an, an abundant life. But see, it's a different kind of life. It's not the kind of abundance that the world tells you about. It's not how to do more, how to be more, how to make more. No, a life of abundance with Jesus is a life filled with Jesus. So here are the three things that Jesus wants you to do to help you remain in him. And we find them right here in the text. We find them right here in Matthew 11. And the first one is, is that Jesus wants us to go to him. We read it here. It says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. See, when Jesus says, come to me, this is his invitation. This is his invitation for us to be adopted into the family of God. See, we read stories of Jesus. We read stories of his hope of his joy. We read stories of how he was unanxious in everything that he did. This man that would sleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. This man that would meet the needs of the sick on his way in his everyday life. We read these things and think, I want to do those things. I want to live that life. This life sounds like the life that I want. But you have to be willing to adopt his lifestyle. If you want to experience the life that Jesus offers you, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Adoption is, an, is, an, is a very expensive or costly process. See, in the case of Jesus, though, it, it's worth it. You're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to die to your selfish ways. But this death, know this, is only temporary. See, Jesus, he, he brings us back to life. He, he brings us forgiveness. He brings us resurrection. See, when you come to Jesus, he he gives you life. So whatever has you drained, whatever's sucking the life out of you, leaving you empty, know this, Jesus will resurrect it. He will resurrect it. This world brings death, but Jesus brings life and resurrection. He asks you to come to him and come to a life in him. And the next thing that Jesus wants us to do to to remain in him is to trust him. Let me read it to you here. It says, to trust him means to take my yoke upon you. Now you have to think in the time of Jesus, he's talking to farmers, laborers, people that are working physical labor every day. And his offer is, is to take up a tool. Let me give you something to work with. And see, that just shows you the, the personality and the character of Jesus and how counterculture he is because when i'm tired when i'm heavy when i'm burdened you know what the world offers me vacation escape another pill another five-hour energy or a bang like you just keep going joe i know you're tired just keep pumping just keep working you got this just keep going but see that's not what jesus offers us he doesn't offer us a quick fix he doesn't want us to live a life distracted or in pain or or with burdens Jesus doesn't want to give you a how-to step. Jesus doesn't want to remedy your problems of your life. He wants to give you a different life. See, Jesus says, come to me, 
take my yoke upon you. Jesus comes so that we may have new life, that we may be a new creation, that we may be new in our hearts and our thoughts and in our ways. And see, this is why we have to trust Jesus. If, you were to, if I was to tell you, hey, I'm tired and, and I want to give you something to help you, and I handed you another tool, I would have thought you weren't listening to me. But when Jesus says, hey, I know you're tired, but I want you to try something different, you have to take that step and to trust him. Jesus says this, he says, you have to trust him because I want you to try on my yoke. I want you to try on my tools. I want you to try on my way of life. We all know that the definition of an insanity is doing the same thing and, and expecting different results. And that's why Jesus says to trust him. He wants you to come to him and try new ways of life so you may get different results. So come to him, trust him. And the last thing that Jesus wants us to do, and that is to learn from him. Let me read it to you. Jesus says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And so how do you go about transforming your ordinary life? One that is in the ways of following Jesus. One that is, that is with Jesus. Where you're becoming like Jesus. Where you're living a life like Jesus. See, learning the ways of Jesus, it requires an action plan. It's not by chance. It, it's not by accident. It's not by happenstance. But spiritual growth, see, listen, it, it can't be controlled. I mean, it also can't be orchestrated. But know this, it's not, it's not random. You need to plan. You need to plan. I can't give you your plan. You have to come and build your plan. See, the early followers of Jesus, they walked with him every day, learning from him, learning his ways. They had hands-on training how to live. But you and I here now in 2020, we can still learn from Jesus. One of the followers of Jesus, Paul, he puts it this way in Colossians 3.17. I love this, and this is, this is my hope for my rule of life, my own personal rule of life. And, you know, the, the first time I ever read this, it really wrecked me. And, and this is what Paul asks us to do. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Learning from Jesus means consistently and simply living the, the example of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, these examples become our rule of life. What we should do regularly. Doing something in Jesus' name, it means to do it in his character. It means that he would be doing it for you in your place. See, I think we all know the popular phrase. You've seen the wristbands, the bumper stickers. What would Jesus do? I think a better question for me and maybe for you today is to learn how Jesus would do it. Asking yourself, how would Jesus do this right now? And then learn the ways of Jesus. Living a life in Jesus, in his name and in his character. How do you wake up in the mornings? How do you wake up next to your spouse and say, in the name of Jesus? How do you raise your kids in the name of Jesus? How do you raise your family in the name of Jesus? How do you handle your finances in the name of Jesus? How do you pray, fast, study the Bible 
in Jesus' name. See, I want to challenge you to to think intentionally just for one moment and think about you as a follower of Jesus and how you would live your life in Jesus' name. Every moment is an opportunity to invite Jesus in. Your ordinary life. It's an opportunity to recognize his presence in your present. Jesus tells us three things to help us remain in him. That's to come to him. That's to trust him. And that's to learn from him. I want to read just one more thing. And this is the uh, same Bible verses out of Matthew, but a different translation. And just as I asked you a minute ago and invited you to close your eyes and to think about your future, I want to close your eyes again and let these words kind of speak to maybe where you are right now. People in this room and people watching online and, and people listening in the future. Let's, let's go and, and I just want to let these words imagine Jesus asking you these things. Are you tired? Worn out? Are you burnt out of religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is Jesus inviting us in. This is Jesus' invitation for us to come and, and be a part of his family, to be with him, to become like him, and to live our life like him. Jesus invites us to take up this yoke, to travel through this life with him at our side, learning how to shoulder the weights of life in his ways. So if you're burnt out, if you're tired, if you're running on empty, if you're feeling overwhelmed, I would ask you today to take in Jesus' invitation and to come, with, come to him, to begin to be like him, and to live your life like him. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you for this season that we're in. God, that we have a moment, a rhythm of life right now that is kind of forcing or coaching us to slow down and to think about the things that we're holding on in this life. God, I'm thankful that you give us a way, that Jesus is the way. And God, my prayer right now is that everyone in this room watching online, a part of this service today, would think about the rule of life, the rope that you're inviting them to hold on to, and to trust Jesus. Amen.